Uh, I've been looking forward to this week, not only because Lee gets to preach, because I don't. And so I get to listen to him, and so I'm looking forward to Lee sharing from the Word and from his heart. Because it, preaching is not just a matter of sharing the Word, it's also a matter of sharing your heart. And uh, we, we love your heart, Lee. We love your heart for people. We love your heart for the Lord. So share from the Word with us. Thank you. Made me feel good once Pastor Will said, you know, we miss you at staff meetings, Lee. <laughs> you kept things alive. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's always some other nuances there, perhaps, but I, I guess it's, it's good and healthy and encouraging to me to speak to people that I know are normal, regular people. I don't feel uncomfortable because I, I know we all are just kind of regular, normal, hardworking, um, trying to love our families, trying to do what is right. And as we transplant and go to other places, one, one of the phrases we used to use here was uh, Crossroad was reaching Ames to reach the world. And you probably still say that once a month. Um, it, it, it works. And it, as we talk this morning, one of the things that's going to keep going through my mind that I'll have to not get off on too many rabbit trails is I, I look and I see a family and I go, oh yeah, Matt Kipper, he's out there serving the Lord. And it's part of what we were doing. And next week we're going to be speaking in uh, Dyke and Matt Reed and Jill are up there. And he was part of this when we were just arriving and getting going. And it's, it's fun to know, it's good to know that a lot of good is going on. That God is using our lives to be a witness for him. And as we look at the scripture today, this is kind of a result of my devotions and reading through the Old Testament. And it, it began to dawn on me, there's a lot of little known people that were greatly used by God. They were just obedient in their little place. And it was glorious, but we don't even know what else went on in their lives. So as I'm speaking, or later on today, or throughout the week, if you jot my information down, send, send me your idea of a little-known person that you remember that has made a big impact on your life. And I would just say, many of you fit that uh, paradigm. Many of you fit that picture, and... I just want to encourage you to keep doing it because you never know what really is going to come of it. So the first example uh, that we're going to look at is this little girl from the land of Israel. We never learn her name. <clears throat> we don't know a lot about her. We don't know if she grew up, became a mom and a grandma. Uh, I think at the end of the story, she was probably honored and probably had a decent lifestyle back where she was because of the success in her master Naaman's life. But uh, in 2 Kings chapter 5 we read, Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. And he was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leperer. So he had a sickness that could not be healed. Um, kind of would make him an outcast. He should have been 
probably already not as powerful and important of a man as he was. Now the Syrians, on one of their raids, had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She had opportunity to either be a little rascal or to do what was right. And I think this little girl grew up knowing the name of the Lord, caring about God, and in the process, uh, this little girl said to her mistress, would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his Lord and said, thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Assyria, uh, king of Syria said, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And from our years in the scripture, we know what happened. Uh, Naaman went to the king of Israel and said, uh, I'm here to be healed. And the king of Israel said, oh, no, I have no idea how to help. And Elijah, Elijah the, Elisha, the prophet, uh, sent to him and said, is there not a God in Israel that you would know that there's healing? And send him to me. So Naaman went to Elijah, the, Elisha, the prophet, and Elisha didn't even come out and help him do anything grander. He just said, go wash in the river Jordan seven times and you'll be healed and then in the end Naaman was healed and came back tried to give a gift to the prophet the prophet said no thank you Gehazi said I'll take that and here's kind of the end result <clears throat> the little girl got it she knew God <clears throat> she wanted to serve him she wanted her life to count and I I think there were probably other God-fearing people in her neighborhood by the time she died. She had delivered her message, and I think she continued to do so. There's a God in Israel, and I know him. Not in a proud way, but in a confident way. Naaman got it and ended up honoring God. The king of Israel didn't get it and was totally missing out on God. The prophet Elisha got it. And he promoted the power of God and showed how easy it was for God to do <clears throat> what Naaman needed done. His servant Gehazi didn't get it. He didn't understand that it was about God and not about finances at that time. And then he got it, as in he had leprosy for life. So that's just one of those biblically historical stories that reminds us that God puts us in places, and he allows us to do good. Sometimes it's on a weekly basis. Sometimes it's right at a particular time in life that God gives us an opportunity that we didn't know was coming, we weren't looking for. But if we're living a life style like that, then God can use us, and I think he sets us up, and we would be ready for right, the right time. So here's just some of my list of thinking through people that uh, I think are important, did some huge things, but we know so little about them. And it's more the parents of the people we know about, perhaps. You think of Moses and Joshua, amazing things accomplished in their lives. It didn't just happen haphazardly. I think they were well-trained. They grew up uh, memorizing scripture, understanding 
God's word. You have the little girl from Israel in that list. All of the prophets. I mean, really, when you think about it from their point of view, you know, their 14-year-old comes in and says, Dad, I think God wants me to be a prophet. Oh, no, son, can't you pick something else? (laughs) There's a lot of other good things you can do. You know how we treat prophets around here. It's just not... It's not a real popular thing. Uh, the pay is not so good, and neither is your popularity. But they obeyed God, and they delivered their message. <clears throat> and you think of all the people who, who were healed by Jesus. They were there at a certain time to participate in the ministry of Christ and to show his glory. It says that especially in John 9, where the <clears throat> man who was born blind, the, the disciples asked, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, neither, but that the Son of Man might be glorified. Wow. How would you like your child to be blind for all those years so that one day Jesus could heal him and demonstrate his divinity? That's, that, that doesn't fit our idea of what would be encouraging or good or nice and easy, but God does that, and he doesn't call it bad, he calls it good. Uh, you see the, the wives of some of the other servants of God. In our, in our ministry in Africa, if our wives can't stay, we can't stay, and it's very hard. Uh, raising children, uh, homeschooling children in a lot of situations, trying to provide food where there isn't a lot of fresh vegetables. Um, just the preparation of meat is goes from gross to ugly. <clears throat> and, you know, a lot of that falls on the women in our homes and the single ladies. And my, uh, the, the ladies on, on our team and throughout the mission world have my respect because it's a lot of hard work and they're kind of the unsung heroes. Well, who in the world is one of the priests whom they had carried away from Samaria? I was reading again in 2 Kings chapter 17, and the first half of the chapter, Samaria falls after three years of being besieged. And uh, it lists the fact that the people of Israel were doing wrong. We know right from wrong. We know when God gives us the opportunity to do good, or an opportunity to do, well, he doesn't give us the opportunity, but the opportunity is there to do wrong because we live in a very uh, broken, fallen world. And we recognize those things, and so often we either see the choice and make the choice, or we grow numb to the choice, and we live in a certain lifestyle, and we don't get it. And the people of Israel had succumbed to a lifestyle of wrong, evil, bad, idol worship, uh, even to where they were um, offering their children uh, as living sacrifices, burning them alive. And so they were deported (coughs) after Israel fell, and the king of Assyria brought people from Babylon and these other cities and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the people of Israel, who he had just drug out, probably chained or at least forced to walk to wherever they were going uh, after watching their cities ravaged 
uh, all their goods destroyed, maybe their houses burned, people hurt. And uh, let's see where. And they took possession of Samaria and lived in its cities, these people that came from Babylon and these other countries. And at the beginning of their, of their dwelling there, they did not fear the Lord. Therefore, the Lord sent lions among them, which killed some of them. And this is sort of intriguing to Violet and to me because where we live in Togo, most of our friends have a daily understanding mindset worldview that there is a cause for everything. You go out, you get in your car, and you have a flat tire. I wonder who has something against me. Hmm, who flattened my tire? Or who made my tire go flat? Something else goes wrong during the week, and you're thinking, somebody's doing something to me. We would say, put a curse on us, or put a hex on them, or something. They always look for the cause behind anything that's happening in life, and we're not a whole lot different. Uh, when something happens in life, don't you often go, why? <laughs> and you ask, and you wonder if there isn't a cause. These people realized there was a cause. Uh, God had sent the lions. <clears throat> so they, the king of Assyria was told, the nations that you have carried away and placed in the cities of Samaria do not know the law of the God of the land. Therefore, he has sent lions among them, and behold, they're killing them because they do not know the law of the God of the land. So there was this dilemma, got all the way up to the king who had just taken over this country. And the king of Assyria commanded, send there one of the priests whom you carried away from there and let him go and dwell there and teach them the law of the God of the land. So one of the priests whom they had carried away from Samaria came and lived in Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord. So I put myself in his shoes. I would be pretty miserable, I think, to want to go back and tell those people who were living in my house, if it wasn't burned to the ground, about the God that I love. But you think about the character of this person. This priest was known as a priest who knew the God of Israel, who worshipped him. It wasn't a secret. When they looked for somebody, they could find him because his ways were evident. They were able to pick him out. And then he had a choice. Do I go or don't I go? I don't know if he got to take his family. I don't know who his sending church was. <laughs> you get the point. It was like he was a missionary <clears throat> back to these people that had conquered his land. And he went, and he was somewhat successful. There was some syncretism, we call it, going on where both uh, gods were served after that. So it wasn't what we'd say, yay, you know, great crowds of people came back to, there was a revival in Israel. But uh, at least it seems there was an appeasement. Uh, we're not told whether the lions actually stopped coming and killing people, but the man responded and he was, he, he, he was identifiable because he was walking with God and serving him. So again, just one of those <clears throat> unknown, little-known people. So th then <clears throat> when we put this into uh, the practical side of life, when I look at you this morning, and I think of it 
you know, you and I are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Do not do people, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light in all the house, to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see, that they may A, see your good works, and B, give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So there's a, a definite purpose and process uh, that Jesus pointed out here that he, he wants us to live in a way that we're choosing to do the right things he brings us as opportunities to do. And then when we do those things, people go, aha, I see that. And I want to glorify God. I, I want to know God because I've seen the good that God is doing through these people. So it's not about us being great and wonderful because we do good, but it's the good that God allows us to do that points to him and makes people want what we have. I, I was reminded when Violet and I were gearing up to go back to Africa of the story that we heard in our when we were having uh, more re renewed training for working with Muslim uh, relig the, the people from the Muslim uh, religion in their background and stuff. There was a family that lived in the Middle East and had worked for 20 years and had very, very little success in their ministry. And one day there was a knock on the door and when they opened it, they recognized the leader of the mosque from across the street. They had been cordial, but they weren't friends. And the man said, can I come in? He came in, they closed the door. And he said, I want what you have. <laughs> and the missionary said, well, and he's thinking, is it my vehicle? Or what, just what is it that he, I have that he wants? He said, I want what you have. And the missionary said, well, describe for me a little bit what you're talking about. He said, I have watched you for 20 years, the way you treat your wife. Nobody can love a person and treat them like that. Whatever it is you have that allows you to do that, I want what you have. And eventually, through study of the scripture, he came to Christ. That's motivating to me to realize, wow, people are watching. They're seeing what we do with each other, to each other, in our neighborhood. And we want people to come to that point where they say, I, I want what you have. And we can point to God and give him glory and be able to um, just continually be investing and seeing those good things that we've started eventually we pray come to fruition it, titus five times and we're only going to look at two talks about doing good and this one is in the context of titus 2 11 for the grace of god has appeared bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in this present age waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So he does everything for us. He redeems us. He, he gives us life. He gives us joy. He begins to work the fruit of the Spirit in us. And he just wants us to be zealous for good works. He wants our lives to be focused on choosing the good 
and saying no to the things that are wood, hay, and stubble, as it says in other passages. And then this one is, again, in Titus 3. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. You know, Matthew, or, uh, John 15 talks about we, without him, we can do nothing. So this isn't about us as people. It's about God doing his work through us. But it also says we can't be fruitful without being abiding in him. And then it teaches us that our fruit brings glory to God. When we have much fruit, God is glorified. And so as we look at our lives, Violet and I have done a lot of evaluating as we've transferred from one culture to another. What are we doing that involves helping other people? And you'll just have to invite us over for lunch and we'll elaborate on some of these. But one of the stories that warms our hearts, Essa Hanum is a lady that works in our house, cleaning house twice a week. Um, we connected with her because of her sister Rose in one of the other stories. And we actually have the two ladies come and work together. They're believers and they come. They live on different sides of town, so when they're together, they get to talk a lot, and we listen to their chatter, but we don't understand Kabye, and we don't really know what they're saying. And then they begin to sing. So here are these two ladies singing in harmony, songs from their church uh, experiences, and it's just a joy to have them in our home. But this lady comes from a very difficult background. Her husband is blind and has been teaching at a blind school and about three years ago was told <clears throat> that he doesn't have work anymore or if he works he won't get paid so he stayed for three years worked with no pay and then uh, recently he was told now you have to get out of the house that is on this blind school campus so he's probably 55 60 and has nowhere to go no job and so we were praying with her and looking uh, at what could happen and as one of our other families was going on furlough, it worked out that Esohanam and her husband could move into their backyard. They have a three-room uh, sort of guest house. And so Esohanam's family is going to be the guard and take care of the yard and kind of make sure their material possessions are safe while this family's home on furlough. So they have lights and fans and uh, water and a good place to stay for a year. Now, we don't know what happens after that, but it, it was fun to be part of that process to recommend that this our other missionary family would give them this place in a kind of a win-win situation. <coughs> One Sunday afternoon, there was a knock at the door, and Majwa came. She's a little 12-year-old girl. Violet visits her Majwa's grandmother in her courtyard, and she was running away from home. She'd had a hard day, and her mom has basically abandoned her with her grandma and lives in another country, and she's never met her dad. But she heard that her dad lived in another town, and could we give her bus money so she could go meet her dad? Well, Violet didn't think it was a good idea for a 12-year-old to go wandering around a town saying, are you my father? Are you my father? <laughs> There's a man named, she had his name, but that's all she knew. And then, as we were 
talking about this, she came in and said, Lee, what do we do? So we prayed and we talked about it. We got a hold of Rose, our other uh, housekeeper, cleaner lady. And Rose came from a very similar background. And she was able to come over and sit with Majwa and cry with her and talk with her and help her to, she, she brought her Bible and uh, presented the gospel to her. And in the end, she said, you know, I think I just need to go home and make up with my grandma and stay because it's not as bad as it could be. And it's helped Violet to see that there's a number of teenage girls in our neighborhood that she's met over time. And when we get back, we're looking forward to starting a Bible study that can help them to be first exposed to the truth of who Jesus is. And then as they come to Christ, grow and be discipled and hopefully be part of the process of reaching out to other people. So pray for us. There's a lot going on, a lot of good things that we can do. It doesn't all result in people uh, wanting to receive the gospel, but it certainly sets it up so that people know that we love God. Uh, we try always to say something about our motivation, that it's not about us, but about God. And uh, as we go back and try to work through that process of reaching out and going to some of these other neighborhoods, pray as our team puts together this basic uh, plan of how to stay and connect with some of these people from out of town and then when they're ready and say, what about my people that we'd be able to participate? I don't know how long ago it was. I'm just going to say a few months ago, there was a young lady from India that stood here and gave her testimony. You remember that? Nod your head. And she wants to go back to India and reach her own people. Isn't that awesome? That is what happens here. Uh, I think, I, I haven't been able to meet her and learn a lot, but was she here at Iowa State studying? And then she ended up uh, really coming to know the Lord, going to faith. Say again? She's actually here. Okay. <laughs> <coughs> well, we'll hopefully get to meet and uh, I'll learn a little bit more. And that's just been on my heart a lot since then. And I've been thinking, what can I do? There's nothing I can do. Well, and I'm, yeah, we'll just pray with you as a church that we can be part of finding ways for her to be able to go back and reach her people. So be encouraged, keep on doing the good that you see, take all those interruptions that come from God, get you off your schedule, that's usually how he gets us to do the good that he wants us to do, and uh, if you want to stay in touch with us, take a picture of this, someone said, yeah, take pictures of stuff, maybe you can, if you want a prayer card, take a picture of my wife, she's prettier than me, <coughs> and uh, it's just a pleasure to be here. Lord, as we move now into a time of remembering the death and the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ for us, <clears throat> that he gave his body and he shed his blood so that we could be pardoned, we could have our sins completely paid for and removed, <clears throat> and then we could be equipped to do good work to glorify you. Lord, we admit it's hard. We admit we're selfish. 
we admit sometimes we are calloused to what you ask us to do. And I pray that you would, again, just um, mold our hearts, break us, remake us, continue to form us into the image of your son, Jesus, and allow us to be good news to the people around us. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.